0: You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope, where you can belong as you change, and change as you follow Jesus. 2 Samuel chapter 9 One day, David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Zebo, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Zeba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, and at the home of Mekir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him Brought him to Makir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. His, he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here at the king's table. Bosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show, show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are the land for him to produce food for your master's household. The messy Bosheth, your master's grandson, eat here at my table." had 15 sons and 20 servants Ziba replied yes my lord the king I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded and from that time on Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah from then on all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants and Mephibosheth who was crippled in both feet lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table Father, you are worthy, and we ask that you would help us in our understanding and application of this story from the scriptures today. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Terry was a guy who didn't quite fit in. Terry was, he was a little disheveled almost all the Most of the time, he actually was kind of dirty, and a little smelly, just to be honest. But on Sundays, he was just disheveled. He He would come to church, but he didn't come to church uh, dirty and and smelly, he came clean, but he was still always kind of disheveled. His hair was always unkept and not really cut very good, and he had some teeth issues and and Terry. But he always went to church every Sunday. He's one of the most lovable, caring guys you could ever want to meet. But he just didn't fit in. Is that you, I mean, kind of you may have seen or known people kind of like that. And Terry turned out uh, loved to greet people at the door, and actually became the church's door like main door greeter like every week there would be a different like rotation of people on a schedule to greet people at the door but terry was always there even if it wasn't his week he wanted to he would hold the door if it was raining he would grab an umbrella and go out to the ladies cars with the umbrella to give them a gentlemanly like coverage walking up but he was oh well you know everybody loved terry but he was still like just of one of those guys that just he just didn't quite kind of fit in you know and one day a gentleman came to me because I was pastoring this church and said, You know, we all love Terry. I, I, I wouldn't say anything against Terry at all, but what kind of message does it send to visitors if he's the one greeting them? And I just kind of was taken back a little bit. I was like, So one of those I love you but kind of moments. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Well, I hope it sends the message that you can come as you are at this church. And this guy, to his credit, kind of stood there a minute and he goes, You know what? That's right. That's good. I, I never thought of it that way. And I'm glad Terry's able to greet people at the door. So a lot of times for, for us, we, we can be easy for us to like make excuses to not contribute in the world, just in, a, in a church. So just to, just to kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to serve God because I just kind of don't fit in. And, and, and I'm kind of like awkward in social situations and all that kind of stuff. And, and even think about body image for just a minute. I mean, with body image, what what are some things that we can think about ourselves when it comes to that, be it it positive or negative? Come on, you guys, give me some answers. What are some body image thoughts that people can have about themselves, positive or negative? I got a big nose. Why you make me say that (laughs) out loud? Not that I have a no <laughs> somebody else that's a good one that's a good one what else big ears Man, I just I don't know my beard my ears are big what else Overweight or underweight? over I'm overweight I'm too fat or I'm too skinny I'm too thin I'm, I'm underweight I'm overweight absolutely those are those are probably big ones right what else got <laughs> I got a big head just looking at me I got a big head or maybe it's like the opposite side. It's like, man, I'm, I'm all that. I used to say back in the day, I know y'all don't say this anymore, but I'm all that and a bag of chips and a side of queso. And it's that queso steaming hot. That's, that's you know, like we can have that kind of body image too. It's like, man, I'm just, I don't really understand that too much because I actually have gone through phases kind of in my own journey. I've actually looked in the mirror and said, I, I hate you. Now, not now. I mean, God's helped me learn to see myself and love myself because of the way he loves me. But I have had times in my past just kind of look in the mirror, just on an off day or whatever, not all the time, but look in the mirror and go, I just don't, I just don't. You're ugly. You're fat. You're, why did anybody even like you? You know, that kind of stuff. And that can happen to us. And there's a lot of places in our, in our world where people just generally feel like I don't fit in. Whether they have, you know, struggle with body image or not, there's something a lot of times we just like, I just don't fit in in this place. And church has, has arguably, arguably become one of those places where a lot of folks are just like, well, I don't know, I just, I just wouldn't fit in at church. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't fit in with those people because I'm not, you know, I'm not a good, I'm not that good or, or whatever. I don't necessarily believe like this. And I think this is really, I do believe a part of this is in part of we see everybody else's highlight reel and we compare our everyday. Uh, with everybody's best part of their day, you know, and our all day with their best part of their day. And we feel like we don't measure up. And so we keep comparing the, the, these moments uh, over and over again. And they carry over in how we view ourselves and how we view life. And then, you know, how we view church, too. Like, I just wouldn't fit in. Self-image is about our physical appearance. And, and it, can, it can hinder us. It can even stop us from seeing ourselves as God sees us. And so today kind of our goal is like let's kind of see how can we see ourselves as God sees us because I found this 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 very interesting kind of digging into this uh, this week I think those who have a, a faith crisis like I'm just struggling with with faith and what they also have at the same time is a community crisis like they are dis, they begin to like have questions about faith and struggle with faith and then what they do is disconnect from a community of faith so they also have a faith crisis, they're having a community crisis, when all the time God created this whole thing called church, which is not a building, but a people, a family, a tribe, a fam, to come together to work with us through those faith crises that we have. And so we don't wanna be those who check out. Now God's vision for awakening Church is to be a diverse community of authentic love and hope, where you can belong as you change, and change as you follow Jesus. So no matter where you are on your faith journey or life journey, you know, our, our, our vision is you can belong here. Even if you feel like I don't fit in. You know, it's not about fitting in. It's about belonging. And we feel like you can belong here. And we want you to know this, because we're all on this journey together. We're at different places on the journey, definitely. No that's obvious. But we're on the same journey, and we're on this together. So welcome home. Because you belong here. And at Awakened Church, it's come as you are. We actually wrestled with, like, hey, let's have Pajama Sunday this Sunday, right? Yeah. Because it was like, we're having it's come as you are. This is the name of this, the title I like, gave this talk for today. And, and, and some of the, the you guys were at the house, and they were like, let's have Pajama Day. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then it was like, oh, yeah, we're doing pictures also. But our photographer got a car problem, so won't be here until next week to do the picture day. So, so again, no, no Pajama Day next week. But we'll have a Pajama Day. I promise you we will. But it is coming as you are and and so uh, we we hope that you feel comfortable and welcome here. Now we're going to look at this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 9 a little deeper. If you have a Bible or if you have the Bible app you want to go there maybe you'll want to highlight or or, or circle some things as we go along Uh, talk about this story that we read and here's the big idea God sees you as one he loves and is useful in this world no matter how you see yourself or have seen yourself or how you think others see you, God sees you as one he loves and is useful in, the, in this world. Now here's the first thought I want to camp out on for just a minute. We all get knocked down. We all get knocked down. And I've had times when, when I get low and I'm like, and nobody understands, and then when, I, when I'm not there in that space anymore, I get up and go, you know what, there's a lot of people that understand. Because, as far as I know, everybody's been knocked down from, from time to time, once in a while. Now, sometimes you get knocked down and you can make the best of the situation. Like, show this video clip of uh, a, a pass that got knocked down recently in a football game. Edwin Dealer in the slot to the left. of the receiver across the middle. It's bad in the air. Joe Biden. But on this one, he was lucky. Also, he's such an aware football player. As I said, his stats are amazing, but he actually plays better than his stats, and that's even hard to say. Malik Herring got a hand on it, and then Joe Burrow got a hand on it. Edward there in the the (laughs) slot. So yeah, so Joe Burrow in the SEC championship game was when this was, when they, they went up against Georgia, threw a pass, it got knocked down, only he caught it, and he ran for 16 yards in that game. Now you go into the national championship game, which was a week or so ago, and they went up against Clemson, and right towards the end of the first half, I mean the whole, the whole game actually, because it started off with LSU getting knocked down at the very beginning, and it was like, oh no. I don't know what's going to happen. And they got the whole team got knocked down at the beginning, kind of like also an AFC championship game some of us watched, right? And uh, I know my man Juwan's favorite team is the Kansas City Chiefs, and we were watching that game at my house, and uh, they were got knocked down to start the game off, right? But they got up, actually come back. They won that game. So Joe Burrow responded to a pass getting knocked down by catching it and running 16 yards. How do you respond when you get knocked down? Now, you don't have to answer out loud, but but think about it. How do you you respond when you get knocked down? Because the story is about somebody who'd been knocked down, this Mephibosheth. It begins, actually the story begins way back in 2 Samuel chapter 4. And the news had come in 2 2 Samuel chapter 4 that his dad, Jonathan, Jonathan and his father, his grandfather, who was actually the king, King Saul, had died in battle. And he's five years old. And the news came back. Jonathan and King Saul have died in battle. This meant that the throne, the, the king, the kingdom, was going to go to this five-year-old Nephi Bosheth. He was the heir to the throne. So fearing that this would, that he would be an easy target. Uh, For for anyone who wanted to like take the throne for themselves and and do this because that happened a lot back in those days His nurse grabbed him up and began to run like go to run him somewhere to safety and the nurse tripped and fell and crushed his feet and He was dropped. He was knocked down Through no fault of his own he was now disabled. He could not walk. He had both feet were crushed for life crippled for his life Now look at at this new king, David. Now has become the king. This is, you know, several years later on, and he asks Ziba, "Is anyone from King Saul's family still alive? Anyone I can show a kindness to?" And Ziba's response is, "Well, there is one, and and well, he's one of those. He doesn't quite fit in. You know, he's not. He's not really palace material, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, he's he's out. He's 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 Mephibosheth, and he's." He's out there in Lodabar. Now, this is interesting because Lodabar, the place where he's at, literally means without pasture. Lodabar means without pasture in the Hebrew language. It's a desert place. It's a place where the uncultured are from. If anybody's from there, they're the uncultured. And this is where you end up. If you have nothing to contribute to society, you just kind of end up out there in Debar because there's nothing, nothing happening out there. And so, you know, if you've got nothing to contribute, like Mephibosheth, Crippled, five years old. He's never going to amount to anything. Send him out to Lodabar. Out of sight, out of mind. That's, that was his reality. And one of the biggest lies that you can believe about yourself is that you don't belong. He was set aside. Well, you don't really belong here. You go out there to the place without pasture. A deserted place. And that's one of the biggest lies you can believe about yourself. I just don't belong. So as a society, we can be guilty of this, knocking other people down because we fail to see each other as we truly are. Every single human person, every single human being, God created you in his image, his own image, every single one, including the politician you don't like and I don't like, including you know the, the coach of the football team that you hate like everybody else hates. God created you in his own image, and he loves you, and he has a plan for you. Every single one of us, God loves you. You're created in his image, and he's got a plan for you. So maybe there's something physically about yourself you've kind of felt pushed aside, or maybe it's not physical, maybe it's something else. You just kind of feel that maybe you've been pushed aside, and you've, maybe you have been knocked down. Maybe literally, maybe maybe emotionally or mentally, but definitely, maybe even physically, you've been knocked down. Maybe you're in your own low to bar. I want to remind you that regardless of how you see yourself, God sees you as one he loves, loves deeply. And he sees you as useful in this world. And we all get knocked down. But there's good news. There's good news. I love that there's always good news. If it's not good news, it's not a sermon. (laughs) It's just a talk about bad stuff. But the good news is you can get up. You can get not you get knocked down. You will if you're, if you're like not knocked down right now. You know what? It's going to happen. Might not be tomorrow or the next day, but the finals are going to come again. <laughs> you're going to get knocked down. It's going to happen, but you can get up. Joe Burrow got knocked down in that that championship, the, the national championship game. We were watching, and my dad texts me every time LSU plays. That's one of our things. Is we when they score a touchdown, it's go Tigers, and it's almost kind of like a. Uh, a competition to see who can text go tigers first. And I believe that my dad types go tigers and has his finger on the button, on the send button, because soon as I mean as soon as they score, he's like, it's that like go tigers. I'm like, they hadn't even done the replay yet, Dad. It's, I mean it might not even be a real score because that happens all the time, right? Oh no, that didn't happen. That's not a real score. I'll get those go tigers. He texted me, he's like Burroughs hurt. And he was. In that championship game against Clemson, he was in the first half he was hurt. And if you, if you were watching the game, you saw they were making a big deal that he came out like they went back to the to the locker room. He didn't stay back there with his team. He came out and started warming up, sitting on a, on a bike, warming up, staying keeping warm because he was hit hit in the ribs and he was hurt bad. And You could tell by the way, he kind of finished playing out that first half. He ain't playing right. He's hurt. This is not good, but you know what? He kept going and after the game, they even asked him. They said it was obvious that you were hurt and and, and, and were struggling there so much. what what was happening? He's like, I was not going to sit on the bench." <laughs> I was not coming out of this game. I, he was like, I'm, I was not gonna, like, I was gonna get back out there. There was no way I was gonna sit on the bench. Maybe you know what it's like to get knocked down, and my hope is, you also know what it's like to have some, somebody help you get picked up. When you're in that spot, man, you got your coaches and your teammates helping, helping pick you up. Wherever you are in life, I hope you understand that when you get knocked down, that there are others that, you now that's you know church, again, not a building, but a people, and one of the reasons we have it is to help each other up when we get knocked down. How do you feel when someone encourages you? How does it feel? Somebody just tell me. How does it feel when somebody encourages you? I feel
1: good. You feel happy. Good and
0: happy, right? There's a there's a like a peace that comes with it. There's hope can be restored. I mean, it really is something that that does a good something good for us. So mephi Boceph is knocked down. And through no fault of his own, he's left without much hope at all. He's got hardly any hope at all. In that culture, that, back in that day, there's hardly any hope for somebody who's crippled in both feet, that they could, they could like, really make a living of any kind. And he's, he's picked up now due to the loving nature of David, who's the king. David is a person who's like, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to keep my promise. Because he had made a promise to his best friend growing up, Jonathan. I'll be with you. I'll be for you. I'll look after your family if something ever happens. And now something has happened. And he's keeping, keeping, uh, keeping his word. David, but David could have sent some money out to Lodabar. If I'm thinking about how, how would we or how would I respond to this, oh, Matthew Bosheth, Lodabar, not really palace material. You know what? Let's, let's take care of him. Let's, let's send him some money. Let's, let's, let's do that. And that might, be, that might be okay, but he didn't do that. He didn't say, I'm going to send you some money. He says, I'm going to help you out. He didn't say, just stay out there because you don't belong here. He says, come to the palace. Come here. He did something radical. He did something more personal, more loving, more hands-on. And he reached out to one who had been put down literally, and who had been, somebody who had been knocked down by society, and he took the time to reach out and help him. Kind of what Zach was talking about a while ago. It's the exact same thing. And, and if you felt the pain or the shame of being knocked down and you've begun to see yourself as someone who just doesn't deserve anything better, because that can happen. We can get knocked down. But you know what? I, I've heard people even say that. I deserve this. I've been trying to witness to somebody in their life and talk about eternity. And, and they immediately say, you know what? I don't really need to hear about all this because I deserve to go to hell. And I'm like, what do you do with that? Like, I get, I'm going to get what I deserve like, wait a minute, I try, you try to tell them about the difference between grace and mercy and, and, and justice and how it works together. But sometimes people get to a place where I say, just see themselves in such a place where I'm gonna get what I deserve. And then, or, or maybe we get to a place and we, we kind of hear, you know what, just pick yourself up. You have everything within you you need to get up and get going. And then we stick into a depression because we realize that's still not, not really true. Our culture tells us right now, oh, that's true. But when we like personalize it and it's us, how come I don't have that? I mean, everybody tells me, I know because everybody says, I have everything I need within me just to get up and do it, but I don't. Maybe I'm broken, maybe I just don't belong here. That happens. And we find out that we don't have everything we need within us, so the thing is, when that happens, there's good news. Because there is one who is always there. To pick you up. This is Jesus. But this is why he has this thing called church. A family. A tribe. A body. It's called the body of Christ. That can help and be to get, be there for each other. Help each other as we walk together and journey together through this. In scriptures it says in Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Grace to help us when we need it most. It's there for us. Just come and get it. James 4.10 goes on and says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. He'll lift you up in honor. So if you've been feeling knocked down and developed somewhat of a a poor self-image of yourself, I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and he's there for you. He's here for you. And just, man, I wish my my prayer today would be like, you would listen to him. He's calling to you. And he's saying, he's time to speak to you. He's time to speak above my voice. I want you to know I love you. I'm here for you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm for you. My prayer is that you would just be able to hear that, his voice, not mine, his, and respond to his voice by just accepting his love. Okay, I'll accept that. It's not based on performance. The love of God through Jesus Christ is not based on performance. And we keep defaulting to that. I I have my own issues with that. I catch myself, or actually he'll catch me. (laughs) It's not on performance. It's not based on how good you look or how good you perform or how you feel. It's based on his love and his goodness. That's where it's based on. So you get knocked down, but Jesus is there to pick you up. And where you may feel useless, he says you're useful. He says you're useful. No matter how you might find. I just feel useless. He says, no, 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 no. There's nobody useless. Now, everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. And you can be the best at something. As you go, help someone else. As you go. We all get knocked down, and we know that. And we know that we're here together to help each other get up. And God is with us to help us get up. And we're going to continue that journey. And as we go, as we continue on that journey, you know what? Help somebody else. Help someone else. When we first moved to Natchitoches to to, to, to plant Awaken Church several years ago, it was we moved in the summer, right after school started. I know the school started because we took the kids to school and then Shelley and I were like, Man, let's just kinda explore our town, just us a little bit. We were driving around We got a flat tire. And the tire was 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 down. We were on the Exxon out there as you're going out of town. Um, there's an Exxon right there at the where the the bypass is. And we pulled in the Exxon, I was gonna put air in my tire, and it was so it was like low so low it was like, I just got Get the spare tire now so I got that little you know stupid donut tire I don't really have a real spare got that stupid donut tire that everybody's got these days i had to get that thing and start working on it here comes this young man who works at the exxon station he's like "Do you need any help i was like oh man i appreciate you offering but but you know i got it. I've mean, changed a lot of tires in my life I, I, i'd rather not but yeah I, I got it And he goes no 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 let me help you let me help you move move, move out of the way and i was like what he goes move out of the way this young man, he's maybe, you know, like your guy's age. He's somewhere between 18 and 21. And uh, he's like, just I got, let me do this. And he gets down on the ground. He's like, got my, you know, I got the car, started jacking it up. He's like finishing jacking up. He's like taking on, doing the tire and all this. And I'm standing there like, he just did it. I mean, he just changed my tire for me. And I was like, wow, you know, thank you. Here, let me, you know, immediately. I'm like, let me give you some compensation for that he's like no 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 I was like well this isn't part of your job I mean, I know you work at the Exxon over here but he's like no 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 it's my pleasure I'm like wow really and he I even gave me a tip on where I can get my tire fixes I, had, I didn't need any tire fix yet I didn't know where to go in condition to get a tire fix and he sent me down to the I think it was called the um, pit stop and it was right down the road there from, from that Exxon drove in there and he's like hey, they sent me from the Exxon down here to get this tire fix they fixed me up right away sent me on my way and I never forget that young man. I forgot his name now, but I won't forget him and what he did, because it makes it for me now. It's like whenever somebody needs some help and I can help, I want to help. I want to, I want to kind of pay that forward. He didn't let me pay him for helping, but what I want to do is kind of help somebody else if I can. Now, what I've realized in all my years is that I can't help everybody. There's some things I can't help with. I just, I'm not equipped to. But, but if I can help. I'm going to. That's why when people get stuck in my, dr- my yard, in their UPS truck, or in my neighbor's yard, in their FedEx truck, or in my other neighbor's yard, in their Dish TV truck, or in two houses down, a guy at 11 o'clock at night just, met, just turned in a driveway to turn around and get stuck, and comes knock on my door, I'm gonna go help, because I can do that. I can help push and pull and try to get a car out of the mud. I want to pay it forward. And when they say, well, let me, you know, I'll pay you back. I hear that sometimes too. Oh, I'll, I'll pay you back. I'm like, don't even worry about it. I don't want to like hold you to that kind of thing. You know what you should do? Pay it forward. Next time you're going to run into somebody who's going to need some help at some point. You help them instead of trying to get, pay me back. Help them out. Now, if you see me and need a help, go ahead and help me out. Yeah, go ahead. But pay it, excuse me, pay it forward. So Matthew Boshef, he really, he's, you know, he simply, uh, he, he wasn't just helped back up. He was restored. He wasn't just like, let me help you up. He said, you got to come back to the, you know, your, your grandfather was the king. Your father would have been next in line. You would have been actually the next in line. But now I'm the king. I'm no relation to you at all. But you know what? You're going to come. You're going to eat at my table. He's restored to where he was supposed to be. David says, you eat at my table. Basically saying, you'll be my child now. You'll be you. will be my child now. I'm gonna take care of you, even though he's a grown man. So in his younger days, David had been shown this radical love by the actions of his best friend Jonathan. If you wanna go back to that story, I'd say sometime go back and read you know First Samuel and into Second Samuel where it tells this whole story, and his friend Jonathan had shown him radical love as a, as a as a brother, and now David is paying it forward to Jonathan's son. The birthright of Matthew Boshef was to eat at the king's table. That's his birthright. But instead, he's been pushed to the side. He's been pushed out to a desert place where no one goes. Nobody's from there. And, and nobody you know we don't want to talk to anybody from there. And he's been taught to see himself as someone who has nothing to offer. Someone who has no place to really belong. And the king says, come. You can sit with us. Come on, you can eat with us. Here's a feast. The king's table. And you can sit here. And we have a king. Our king's name is Jesus. And Jesus says, Man, he's our God. And he says, I've got a feast. And you can sit at my table. You can sit at my table. This is how God looks at you. And you, God sees, first of all, someone he highly values. When God sees you, he sees someone he highly values you are worth so much to him your life is worth so much to god he had he actually put thought into creating you that blows my mind just trying to wrap my brain up that this is not just some random accident god put thought into it and he values you highly in you god sees one he wants to call friend again that little emoji with the mind blowing that's me right now god calls me his friend the creator of the universe that most uh, like every other religion in the world actually says, if there's a higher power, he, the higher power is uh, out there somewhere. It might be within, but nowhere is it a personal God who wants to be a friend. It's one who demands worship and sacrifice. And here's this God saying, "I want to be your friend. Worship and sacrifice is good and right because I'm God." But you know what? I want to be your friend. Want to spend time with you. Let's have a, a personal relationship. You can talk to me, God says. You don't, have to, you don't have to like perform crazy rituals. Just talk to me. And if you listen, if you really listen, you'll hear I'm talking to you too. God sees you as someone he wants to call friend. And in you, God sees his own child. He sees his own child. Not just a creation, but a child of God. Someone who, like, you know, I think of, I have, you know, I have wonderful parents. Dad who's there, mom who is awesome, and wonderful parents. My wife has a different perspective. She has a great mom. Her dad was gone. We've met people from every walk of life, people who are orphans. I have a friend right now who doesn't even know her birth parents. She's from a different country, even. And it's like everybody comes to this place and has a different view of, of, of a father or a parent. And we try to like say, well, God is like that. No, God is the perfection of whatever our view of a parent is. Not a reflection of our view of a parent, but the perfection of our view of a parent. That's who God is. He, is, he, he loves you as his own child. Like you would say, man, if I had a baby, I would love him this way. God says, that's how I love you. I love you with every, every, every ounce of my being. So can you imagine this Mephibosheth, his whole world, his whole life? He's just been like, "You're pitiful, poor fella, Bless his heart." That's how we'd say it, right? Bless his heart. And that's a shame. But but in the presence of the King, there's no shame. The King's like, mm-hmm. "There's no shame here. You come on in here. You have a seat at my table." First Peter two ten says, "Once you had." No identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you, you receive no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. God is in the restoring business. And I tell you that this is as one who's been restored and is still being restored, actually. He's still working on me, still in that process of restoring me. And he's calling to your heart to come sit at his table. Any imperfections you may have, inside or out, any disability you may have, any, anything, whatever difference you may feel, it may, makes no difference to him. Our differences make no difference to God. And he sees you as useful in this world and in his kingdom. God says, come as you are. That's why we pick that line up. Not because every other church says it. We pick it up because God has told us, come as you are. And with God, you do come as you are. But the great thing about God's love, and it's also kind of a challenging thing, He loves you just as you are. He wants you to come just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. You come as you are. he loves you so much. He's like, okay, now, now that we're in this relationship, kind of let me show you what I've got for you. And it's so, so good. It's so good. God just wants your heart, and that's where it starts. Your heart is about how you feel about yourself and others, how you feel about life, and how you feel about how you see yourself. How you see others. That's what your heart's about. And God says, I want, to, I want your heart. And I want to change your heart. It'll, it'll be took time. But a changed heart results in a changed life. And true faith that's in Jesus will show in your actions. As you come as you are, you also see others says, Man, I could, I could help them out a little bit. So you belong in God's kingdom, and that means you belong here. So what's your next step? What's our next step? You you guys are all super intelligent, creative enough to, to pray and say, God, what's the next step I should take here? So do that. But let me give you one suggestion. There's a passage in the Bible, Romans 8, 28. And it says, God works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. At some point this week, today or sometime this week, take out your Bible or just kind of, if you can remember that, take that one scripture and just say, okay, God, and just read that scripture and say, God, I want to see, I want I want to help, I want you to show me how you show me your radical love. How is it that you work all things together for the good for me? Because all things aren't good. How are you working things together for good for me? And how can I share this love with others? Take that a next step. And then take that next step a little further and, and invite someone to come with you next week. Because you know what? You belong here. So do they. They've never been here. But you know what? You belong here. Some of y'all are here this morning because someone invited you. And if you're here because Lexi invited you and she's not here, she says she's sorry, but she's not, not back in town yet. So, so But, but uh, she's like, I've been inviting people, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I want them to know. She's texted me earlier. She says, if somebody comes and said I sent them, I'll tell them I'm sorry I'm not there, but I'll be here next week. So, so invite others to come with you next week. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series that I'm excited about. It's called Kingdom Culture. We're going to be looking at all the ways that we're divided in our culture and how the church should be leading the way to radically change that. We're going to look at racism, unity, reconciliation, ageism, gender, all, everything, every kind of way we feel like we're divided in our culture. We're going to wrestle with those over the next four weeks and I invite you to come back next week for that. And also, uh, well, we'll make some more announcements in a minute, but, but let's all kind of wrap it up in prayer, and then we'll let the band come up, and we'll sing another song before we go today. Lord, we love you. Just thank you so much for your, your presence, your love, especially, Lord, we just thank you for your love, your grace, and mercy. Thank you, Lord, when we come to you. Maybe sometimes like this Matthew Bosheth guy. And we just feel like we've been pushed to the side, and we don't we don't belong, or we don't fit in. And thank you, Lord, that you say there's room at your table. And Lord, give us that heart. Lord, give us that heart for our neighbor, whether it's a, a classmate, or uh, even an instructor at school, or somebody we work with, or a family member, or maybe just that that person who we kind of regularly see at the store. To have that kind of heart, like you know what. Our differences make no difference. Why don't you come and sit at the table with us? We're having a feast. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.